Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Juan. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Minutes with Mute presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. I'm Mike Galtieri, joined alongside Scott Butram. You know him, BC, Learfield, IMG, Radio Network, on the call. And uh, before we get into the game, obviously, BC, a tough one. 45-31 to 31, uh, loss to Notre Dame. Notre Dame, top five team. But the series now, we lost to Notre Dame eight times in a row. That's tough for me to say, but it's true. Eight times in a row, BC's gone down to Notre Dame. Uh, but Scott Muchin joins us. I'd like to remind everybody, before we get to the podcast, if you're a BC football fan, especially going into next season now, got to be a member of the BC Football Gridiron Club. That's bcfootballgridiron.com to sign up. Okay, we bring in Scott Muchin. And Scott, I kind of, tough one. Just like to get your thoughts on uh, BC Notre Dame. A good first quarter, maybe even a good first half, but then the, the wheels kind of came off the tire a little bit. Yeah, and I, I think the the glaring thing that you notice is Notre Dame's offensive line really kind of controlled the game for them on the offensive side. Ian Book did some really nice things, uh, creating some separation, creating some space. But that offensive line, they were they were able to do a lot of things that they wanted. And, you know, BC, every time they would catch a break, you know, two turnovers, and then literally the next play after they get a turnover, they would be. Uh, something else that would go against them or they turn it right back over. So it was one of those things where they needed uh, needed to play, I don't want to say perfectly, but they needed to play an A game and they just didn't have it inability to get Notre Dame off the field uh, on third down and then uh, inability to even force them a punt. I think that's that's something that, that was glaring for that. That puts a lot of pressure on the offense. And, you know, BC had, you know, was close. They, they just – probably maybe need a couple more guys i think along those lines but notre dame's a very talented team i think i really got to notice that as much as it pains me to say they're uh, uh they're a very talented team that could be there in the end their both lines are very very good so bc 10 10 in the after the first quarter i think correct me wrong they take a 13 to 10 lead as well bc did at one point and yes. then um i guess it, to pin it down what do you think happened if you it was the offensive line you mentioned uh, the defense struggle, but for a BC fan who just like myself, I tuned in in the second quarter. I missed the first quarter. I was down the Masters. But what is what 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 kind of went wrong? Well, if you say offensively, they they moved the ball well. They had some they had some chances. They got to the red zone, and then there were just too many um, too many field goals. You know, they needed to get yeah. some touchdowns. When you're playing teams like that, they, you got to capitalize on that. When they uh, recover a fumble. In the first quarter, they have a chance to, to hit Hunter Long on a big play. He's wide open, and they just couldn't get him the football, whether it's pressure or Phil just not being able to get set. But um, th- there there were some chances early in the game to, to put some distance out there and to, to make some plays offensively, and they just missed. There were some guys that were open that either – uh, you know, Phil just missed, or there was just not enough time. But you know, after you, you find out after the game, Phil was playing with a hurt shoulder, so you, you can't really hold that against him for, to show him the heart and grit that he showed. It was really, uh, really impressive of him, I think. Yeah, like like to get that's a good point. Like to get your opinion on that, Scott. I agree. Very, you know, tough grit, very tough. 
Um, I'd like to also get your other opinion, though. At what point with a, a tough shoulder do you take him out because he hurts the team just by nature of being hurt, I guess? And where do you draw the line there in, in that regard? Because this is a different quarterback we've seen last two games versus the first couple of games where he excelled. I think as a coach, you look at it this way. You look at it as who gives us the best chance to win. Yep. So a 75% uh, feels right. Yep. So if, if in their eyes, they're going to base it on that. They're going to look at that and, and say, well, Phil's wasn't able to practice. He didn't do this, but is, you know, does he give us the best chance to win? And when, <clears throat> and that's how Jeff felt and you, you can't really fault him for that. So that that's, that's what they had to do. And, uh, I think as as a competitor, you're always going to want to be out there. Like people say, is it uh, is it selfish or is it anything? I don't really consider it that. I mean, I played uh, against Notre Dame my senior year with a broken hand. Um, I wasn't coming out of that game unless you're going to drag me out of it. So unless that you're really hampering the performance of your team, um, you gotta you want that you want your your guys out there. And I, as a player, I never would have wanted to come out. And as a competitor, you never want to come out. And actually, once the adrenaline gets going, you don't feel it as much. It's, you know, it may start at the beginning to bother you a little bit. But once the blood starts going, you really kind of uh, start forgetting about some of that stuff. And then you just start playing some football. And then at the end, you know, (laughs) after the game is when it really sinks in after the adrenaline's all gone. But as a player, you want to be out there with your teammates no matter what. Not everyone's healthy. Everyone's fighting some sort of injury or or nag or something that's bothering him. No one's hundred percent healthy. So um, I think Phil looked at it as like he wanted to be there with his guys. And I I give him a lot of credit for that. He's a tough guy that didn't want to give in or give any inch away. And and he wanted to be out there with his teammates. And that says a lot. I I was really impressed by that. And that's a lot of toughness to be able to throw. I mean, I, I mentioned it in a tweet, but playing with a separated throwing shoulder, knowing that once you, you know, to torque your arm in that motion, to know that you're going to feel like someone's hitting you in the shoulder with a hammer every time you do it. That's basically what it feels like. Um, that takes a tr- tremendous amount of pain tolerance and toughness. And I give him a lot of credit for that because that was uh, that was a, one of those performances you're going to talk about for a while just because of his ability to fight through that. Yeah, no question about it. And you would know as a former uh, Division One quarterback, you're right. Uh, defensively, BC gave up 561 yards. I mean, what do you think? What's what's the defensive unit? What are they telling themselves now after this game, uh, with you know 45 points allowed? Um, I think the I think the toughest thing for um, I think the toughest thing for the for the defense is that they just weren't able to whether it was generate any pressure up front or be able to get some stops when they really needed to. I think uh, yep. for them that's. That's frustrating. They're playing a lot of guys. Like they're playing at least eight defensive linemen every game. Uh, the defensive backs have, have played well. Um, they're just missing a couple of those critical stops and a couple of those game-changing plays. They've done a great job turning people over. You know, I think if they're not going to get stops, you're going to want to see turnovers, and they got three of them. So yes. Um, so to their credit, you know, yeah, they didn't punt, but they got three turnovers, and those are better than punts because you're probably getting it in good field position, right? So that that's something that you look on the positive aspect of that. They're around the ball and they make plays. Um, it was just BC didn't capitalize on that. You want to talk about the name of the game. You get three turnovers and you only get three points off that. that yeah, that's, that's a game changer. That's you got to be able to capitalize on those turnovers and instead of – getting points you actually get two turnovers coming back so that, that you know the offense has some some 
culpability to that as well. So, okay, Scott, you're you're obviously one of the few people at the stadium. What's your general take <laughs> on the team, the BC team, after this game, five and four now? Or, um, you know, a lot of positives, some negatives. But what's your just general take on where the team feels themselves? And I know you can't go into the locker room after the game, but how are we? How, what are we thinking as Eagle fans, Eagle players uh, at five and four? Well, I think you're. You, you know that this team doesn't quit. Uh, they, they fight. They fight through the end. They battle through that whole game, even though you know, especially against, started getting down there towards the end when they're three, four scores down. They they didn't they didn't give in. They kept battling and uh, they play hard. They play for each other. They're a selfless team. I mean, as evidenced by, um, you know, the, the negative COVID test. They're they're not. They're maybe missing out on some things that normal college students do it, but they're realizing that the sacrifices that they're making um, are are worth it for their team and to just to be able to play football. And in this environment, that says a lot about them as a team. And Jeff Halfley, as the leader of that team, deserves a lot of credit. So um, I think you have a talented group that's giving it their all, that's has played above expectations going into this year. I think a lot of people predicted them to be in the bottom of the ACC and they're you know, solidly in the middle. Uh, so they, they deserve some credit for exceeding um, expectations. They're just, you know, probably a, a couple players here or there away from from really turning the corner. But that is, as a fan, you got to be encouraged by that. You're encouraged by the foundation Jeff Halfley's building with them, the the accountability, yet the you know the love for each other that they have for each other. So that's something. If you're a fan, that's of Boston College. That's what you want to see. And a pop Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Positive things: two of the four losses have been to top five teams. That's you know that's pretty good. There hasn't been a oh my god a bad loss this year, like a Kansas from last year, let's say. Right. I think you look at it as the Virginia Tech loss is probably the ugly one because yep. they you know that's a game they probably could have won. Um, they just didn't um, you know they just didn't take care of the football in that game. So that one's probably a disappointing one. Five turnovers is, is something that. It's tough to win doing, especially on the road. The Notre Dame and Clemson games, those are very, very talented teams. Like you said, top four, top five teams. So um, so there's really no shame in losing to those guys. And, you know, they're both two, two score or less games. So you should be uh, – that's something to be encouraged by. And then I think, uh, you know, the North Carolina game, North Carolina is a top, you know, top 20 team. They're pretty talented. BC was right there in the end. So they, they've had a lot of – you know, good games versus quality opponents. And that's something that you, you look at and you see, yes, you're encouraged. Yes, that's the bar that you're trying to set. But you're you're not far away from making an impact and becoming a very good team consistently. And the thing about it is, though, too, this, you know, the ACC, great conference, that's the thing. You know, Clemson's not going anywhere. They're in BC's division, too. So right. at some point, you know, BC, and we've lost eight in a row now to Notre Dame, too. They're not in the conference <laughs> At least I don't think they will be after this year. But they're going to be playing BC down the road. Uh, North Carolina is ACC. Virginia Tech, obviously ACC. But Clemson, you know, they're not going anywhere. So BC's got to, you know, uh, 
you know, I guess my next question to you, Scott, is how far off is the recruiting from a Clemson Notre Dame level to where BC is at right now? Is it a, a wide margin as a former player? You would know, or is it you know, we inching closer to that level? I think the Clemson is probably a little wider than the Notre Dame. I think Notre yeah. Dame has, you know, with their lines, there's some older guys there that have played. Like that offensive line has 142 starts, 143 starts together. So you're talking about a, yeah, a ton awesome. of experience, right? And that helps when you have that. The quarterback that has a ton of game experience too. So you're looking at a seasoned team there, and BC can model that is to, you know, you'll get some younger guys to get a chance to play. Uh, they come in some talented young guys. They play at a young age, and then you build up that momentum and make a run every, you know, every four or five years where you're giving Clemson a run for their money and challenging them. Um, I think that that's something to aspire to. Um, I think Clemson is going to be able to get certain type of athletes and players that I don't think are ever going to come to Boston College, so you can't really measure yourselves that way. Uh, but there's no reason to think that you can't get you know high quality players. And and be a consistent ten, you know eight to ten win team if you continue to uh, you know improve and have great coaching like they they obviously seem to have no doubt about it and I do think there's BC's in a good direction there's definitely been an uptick with Coach Halfley you know compared to last year the offense is more exciting to put on points too as well how did you think the rushing game did uh, that's one thing I think we've been talking about that's so important for the Eagles. Uh, they did okay. It's tough when you get behind because then you're not really consistently running the football. But they did well. Travis Levy had a pretty good game. They had a good running game plan. They hit some draws and, and some some nice plays uh, that where they had some uh, consistent you know consistent efforts running the football. But when you get behind and you have to throw it, it's it changes the outlook on a lot of things. You know what I mean? Defenses are going to be able to come back after you, and and they're. They're going to be playing the pass a lot more, so it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot different that way. But I think they're getting better. The offensive line is is definitely picked up their play from the beginning of the year. Um, I, I think that uh, Dave Bailey had a pretty good game too. I think the only one I really regret is the uh, you know the fourth down carry where Travis Lee was just a little bit short. I think that if they convert there and they score, then that may change the outlook on a couple other things. So. Uh, but that's what you talk about. You gotta; those are the plays you gotta convert, and those are the ones that the difference between uh, beating and losing like, versus good teams. You gotta be able to take advantage of those opportunities when they're there and not leave them on the field. Okay, and then a bit of breaking news and scheduling wise: BC's off next weekend. That was always going to be play, but then the Louisville game got moved to December fifth. Um, so BC is off now two weeks in a row. Uh, before they play next game, and then Virginia, uh, excuse me, and then Louisville. So what, I guess Scott, what do you think about all this situation, this development now in 2020? <laughs> Two weeks off in a row. Yeah, at this point, you're just you're just taking it as it comes, right? Let's be honest. You're they probably go in every week expecting that there's a possibility that the game can get canceled. You know, because with everything going on, no one really knows. Yeah. So they're you're just so flying by the seat of your pants for a lack of a better term you're just hoping to get as many games in and the fact that they've gotten this many um is an amazing testament to them so even whatever happens these last two weeks if, if they don't get them in or if they do uh it's more than a lot of people expected to happen at the beginning of the year let's be honest they got nine games in right yes so yep. the fact you're that right. they got nine games in and with the potential to maybe get three more, including a bowl game, is way, way more than a lot of people expected all the way back into July. So for them, 
uh, you know, that's a great thing. Um, I think that they're uh, going to take these two weeks and almost maybe even treat it like a mini bowl kind of thing. Well, they'll give a lot of the guys who have gotten a lot of work a chance to uh, get some rest. And then some of the younger guys give them a chance to uh, get some reps and get, get ready to play. So uh, it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a benefit for them. It's a little late in the season for a buy, but it is what it is. I'm sure Jeff Halfley and the staff will do a really good job of getting them ready to play uh, against Virginia in a couple weeks. Yep. So just to clarify, Virginia will be at Virginia December fifth, and then uh, Louisville comes to BC December twelfth. So that's right. a late home game. I feel bad for the bubble crew. They usually put the bubble up on Alumni Stadium the day after the last game. That's a late. That's as late as I can remember. December twelfth for your last home yeah, game. Well, with everything going on on the other sports, it's what they're going to need. So that's you know, true. You, you could have some. Uh, you know, December twelfth here, those the Louisville people could be <laughs> significantly unhappy for that to play if there's some elements going. But uh, yeah, you're right. You no, know, it's just another week, and they'll probably. Um, you know, they'll pro- they'll probably make do and, and get through it a lot you know, with the. Um, expectations that I'm I'm assuming that a lot of the uh, the students aren't going to be coming back after Thanksgiving, so it'll be there won't be a lot going on around campus then because they're they're going to be home until I think middle of January. That's kind of the plan. No one's going to go home for Thanksgiving and then come back. Jeez. So uh, it'll be a quiet it'll be a quiet campus. <laughs> so I guess Scott, that's my last, my last question here. What 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 is campus like on game days? No, no one's really been there. Other than well, you. it's funny. You know, yeah, you go there and you you, you go park and uh, park on both sides of, of the stadium, and you see kids walking around or playing in the grass and having fun, and almost like not realizing that there's a game going on. Yeah. It's just it's it's just kind of disconnected from from the students and everybody else. It's really surreal to see it and being in a stadium where there's no one in there even though they're like pumping in noise it's just not the same it's it's just it's weird i think this would have been one of those games that would have been you know a game they talk about forever and the crowd can actually play a big difference if they would have had a, you know ability to have a crowd for this notre dame game uh i think that would have been a significant help for for bc for sure because there would have been so many fans there it would have been such a great atmosphere it was a picture perfect day to play all those things would have factored into it so you know that's the thing you miss the most you miss that that moment of the crowd getting up for a third down when you're on defense and then when you make a big play in offense there's you can say that it doesn't matter but i mean that's what that's what you'd love to play for 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 the fans and for everyone you know losing their mind and that adrenaline and that energy and when you're just playing with nobody there it's basically just a glorified scrimmage so it, it's tough to to get that juice sometimes just because uh, it's just not there it's it's not there there's no one in there to kind of give you that pump up but everyone's dealing with the same thing pretty much so you just got to make it make do with it you're right notre dame at home on campus national tv 330 game that would have been hopping no doubt about it oh oh yeah what um so what was the food situation like i'm always interested what's the uh, we had some little uh, finger sandwiches, some uh, some little turkey uh, turkey spinach, some nice. roast beef, uh, some great cookies and brownies too. By the way, it was lovely. Nice. Uh, nice. And they had a nice little chef salad where I was, uh, you know, to get my roughages and my greens in, which was very nice. So a nice little balance. I had been super hungry going in there because I hadn't eaten, so I, I did my best to put a dent into everything. 
so I was uh, I was not cheated in my pregame meal. There you <laughs> go. Now you got a couple week break and co- come back at it hard December fifth. Yep. Now I got to focus on frying the turkey for Thanksgiving because that's what I'll do. There you go. There you go. So. Well, hey. So we won't speak to you, but happy Thanksgiving, Scott. As always, we're very thankful that you come on the podcast. Appreciate it, and hopefully get you know get two more wins here in the season. Finish seven and four. Yeah, that'd be great, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Always appreciate it. Appreciate the time. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm, based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com.
Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com.